0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Thanksgiving celebration. We're going to stand and sing some songs about thankfulness and the different things that we can be thankful for. Um, Many of the hymn writers and chorus writers, of course, combine thankfulness um, with our material blessings, but mostly thankfulness for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died on the cross, rose again, and saved us from our sin. So let's stand and sing together. Thanks to the Lord our God. i
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We have a lot to be thankful for, and it's great to be able to come and celebrate our Thanksgiving as a church today. So yeah, enjoy a wonderful meal. So hopefully everybody can stay for that. Uh, just thankful for the great weather. It's beautiful weather we've had. Uh, we we're just so thankful to be. Uh, here this morning and be able to gather together. Uh, especially with all the stuff still going on, but we can still gather as a, a group and uh, meet with each other. That's great. Our scripture reading this morning from your Boltons, We'll read it together. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting to Him who alone does great wonders, for His loving kindness is everlasting. That's from Psalms 136. So we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings you've given us throughout the year, throughout the week. Just pray that uh, you'll be with us this morning as we celebrate this Thanksgiving. We just thank you for All things come from you, and we just need to uh, remember that and thank you for that this, this day. In your name we pray, amen.
0: morning, the scripture reading for this morning is Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
2: Let's again bow our heads and uh, just ask God to guide us as we go through His Word. Lord, as we approach Your Word to us this morning, we just want to come... And just deliberately open our hearts and our minds to what you may have to say to us here this morning. Your word is always active, it's living, it's powerful, and it speaks. And so, Lord, how I pray in a real way, it would be your word speaking here this morning and not me. And... Uh, Just to guide me to the extent so that it truly would be you who is speaking. And may we all open our hearts to what it is you are saying uh, to us this morning. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always wanted to go turkey hunting. So finally I decided I was going to actually just quit talking about it and actually do it. So I would like to report that... This last week I shot my first turkey, (laughs) and it was great. Uh, Scared everyone in the frozen food department to death, but (laughs) but it was great. (laughs) And that's the extent of my Thanksgiving humor (laughs) this morning. (laughs) Sermon isn't about the meal anyway, (laughs) though most people do associate Thanksgiving with a turkey meal. This sermon is about the importance of being thankful and why that is important. Our default direction or our default setting in life is kind of the opposite, isn't it? All things being equal, we tend toward complaining. We tend toward focusing on the things that we don't like the things that we see as not right, or not what we'd like them to be. Old Ellie Maxwell, founder of Prairie Bible Institute, um, he told the story of two hippies back in the 60s strolling down the street. And one said to his companion, I'm going to go over and pick up my unemployment check, then I'll drop in at the university to see what's holding up my check for my federal education grant. After that, I'll pick up our food stamps. Meanwhile, you go over to the free clinic and check your tests and pick up my free glasses at this health center, and then go to the welfare department and apply for an increase in our our eligibility limit. And then I'll meet you at 5 o'clock at the federal building for the mass demonstration against the rotten establishment. (laughs) I, I don't know why we drift to that kind of complaining, entitled mindset. Likely it's an outworking of the sin nature in us. But it's not healthy, and most important, it's not right. It's not truthful. We all have much more to be thankful for than we have to complain about. But for the most part, gratitude isn't our default setting. We have to deliberately make the choice to be grateful. As I stated in the introduction to the sermon that I wrote in your bulletins, uh, the sermon is full, or the, the Bible is full of instructions about being thankful and having a spirit of gratitude. 38 pretty direct commands in the Bible to be thankful. And another 30, on top of that, that are more along the lines of instructions and implications to teach us the need to be grateful. And they're in both the Old and the New Testaments. So this begs the question, why? Why does God deem it necessary to emphasize thankfulness so much? To actually command it so often? It's obviously very important, but why? And that's what I want to look at this morning. I don't have one particular passage that I'm going to expound today. We're going to do some jumping around in the Bible, so be prepared for that. As I was thinking about what I've read in the pages of Scripture over the years on this subject of thankfulness and gratitude, and as I spent some time processing it all, uh, some reasons as to why being thankful is important seem to rise to the top in my mind as I was thinking about that. And that's where I'm going to go with this. So we need to understand the vital importance of having a thankful spirit. And a study of the reasons we need to have a thankful spirit is that come out of the page of scriptures will give us that understanding, I hope. So the first reason that came to my mind was as I thought about what the Bible taught is giving thanks acknowledges the reception of grace. Giving thanks acknowledges the reception of grace. When you thank someone for something, why do you do that? When you go to someone and say, thank you for, and whatever it is, why why do you do that? Isn't it because that person has done something kind of above and beyond what was required or what you kind of expected? You or someone has received something from that person that was somewhat more, a little, little more than what would maybe have been expected. And so you say, thank you for that. You're acknowledging that that person gave something or did something. And in a small way, that person has extended grace. Something not required, not really expected. They gave something that perhaps wasn't deserved. That's grace. And then by thanking that person, we are acknowledging that that person has extended grace. And these things that people do for us that are a bit beyond what we might expect or require is a very small picture of the huge amount of grace that God has extended to us. God has given us so much grace. Grace. So I'd like you to turn your Bible to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. The first 18 verses in the Gospel of John chapter 1 describe the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth in theological terms. Follow along as I go through it, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And if you peek ahead to verse 14, that identifies the Word as Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus. He was with God. He was God. Jesus, along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, were all involved in the creation of the universe. In Jesus was life. He is the giver of life. Jesus, with his life-giving power, came to this world of darkness. But this world of darkness didn't comprehend this life or this light, which was Jesus. They didn't understand him. They, They didn't get it. John the Baptist came to bear witness of Jesus, introducing him to the world as the light and the giver of life. So Jesus came to this world, to his own people, the Jews, but for the most part, they didn't accept him. They rejected him. But those that did believe in him and accept him and received him, these received the spiritual life that only he can give. And those that received him became children of God. Verse 14 again. The Word, who was God and was with God, became flesh. He became human. And John, as he's writing this, says, we all saw him. We all beheld his glory. His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What they saw was God become human and that he was full of grace and truth. There's that word grace. Full of grace and truth. Verses 16 and 17. Speaking of those who had believed in Jesus and accepted him and received him. Of his fullness, everything that he gives, of his fullness, we have all received. And it is grace upon grace. Verse 17. The law came with Moses, but grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. Jesus gives grace. Back to verse 16, I'm, I, I'm always drawn to that phrase, grace upon grace. It isn't just a little bit of grace that Jesus extends to us. It is grace upon grace. It's grace piled up upon itself, piles and piles of grace. So much grace that it's just overwhelming, grace upon Grace. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that we have all been recipients of grace from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Much, much grace. Piles of grace. Grace upon grace. What Jesus has given us is so undeserved, it's so far above, and so much more than what we should be getting He came to earth as a human. He lived a perfect life. And then he died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. That by rights we should be paying. We're we're all sinners. We all deserve to die. That's the wages of death. But he, the only sinless person to ever live, died for us in our place. And paid the price we deserve to pay. So we can all be spared from eternal death and have eternal life with him for all eternity. We are given that when we receive Jesus. A free gift. That's grace. Friends, if God would be perfectly fair and just and give us all exactly what we deserve, every one of us would be burning in hell right now. But we're not. We're not. We're all here. We're enjoying life. We're enjoying being here. We're enjoying being together. We're enjoying the weather. We're enjoying the good things of life. We're enjoying it all. We have and continue to receive grace from our God. He isn't making us pay for our sins. He paid for them For us. It's grace. So even if that is all we had. Salvation from our sins. Even if that's all we had. That in itself would be a huge amount of grace we would have received from God. Even if everything else in our lives went wrong and we had nothing else. No family, no home, no money, no possessions, nothing. But if you have received salvation from the penalty of your sins, you would still be a huge recipient of grace. But we we all have way more than that. We have families. We have possessions. We have food to eat. We have clothes to wear. We have people who love us. We have money in the bank. All in addition to the salvation from our sin. You see, grace upon grace. So, why should we be thankful? Because being thankful acknowledges that we have received grace. And to not give thanks means that we are refusing to acknowledge that we have received grace. We're thinking that somehow we deserve all this. And we refuse to admit that God extended to us anything we don't have coming. That's a very sinful way of thinking. And a slap in the face of God. We need to be thankful. We need to be people of gratitude who live life with a great spirit of thankfulness because giving thanks and being thankful acknowledges the grace of God that we have received. Secondly, giving thanks acknowledges the goodness of God. Giving thanks acknowledges the goodness of God. I'd like you to turn here to Psalm 136. Back in your Bibles to Psalm 136. Psalm 136, let's read verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. We are commanded here to give thanks to God. Why? Because He's good. (laughs) How is He good? His loving kindness, in my translation, the New American Standard, His loving kindness is everlasting. And as you skim down through the rest of Psalm 136, you will see that same phrase repeated over and over and over and over and over over again, almost in every verse. His loving kindness is everlasting. The Hebrew word there is quite challenging to translate into English. The word is kesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, kesed. That's the Hebrew word here. Very hard word to translate into English. Those of you who have the New International Version, you see it it is translated, His love endures forever. That's what they translated. Uh, The King James Version says, His mercy endureth forever. New Living Translation says, His faithful love endures forever. And they'd all be right. (laughs) Those are all right to translations. Like I said, the Hebrew word is, Difficult to translate with one English word. It's a word that means love and mercy combined, but it also carries with it the idea of commitment. A commitment to faithfully express this love and mercy. Usually because of a covenant that has been made. It has a basis in a covenant. That's all included in Kesed. C-H-E-S-E-D. Kesed. A Hebrew word. So you could read it, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his committed and faithful love and mercy will keep on being extended forever. And this, like I said, is repeated over and over and over again in Psalm 136. Almost every verse has that phrase. And in between those phrases, the psalmist talks about the different ways that God is good. And his love is everlasting. He's God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He does great wonders. He created everything. He brought the nation Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Through the wilderness. Gave them the promised land. Verse 25. He provides all his creatures with food. God is good. That's what comes through here very strongly. God is good to his children. His loving kindness. is kessed. His faithful, committed love and mercy is always, constantly being extended to us. It's everlasting. It endures forever. And it is shown in so many ways. And one of those ways is His provision for us. Verse 25 was already alluded to. He provides food. We're going to see that firsthand here in a bit when we eat our Thanksgiving meal together. There's a huge provision of food that God has provided for us, and always has. That's proof that his loving kindness is everlasting. So these are statements of fact. God is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and we need to acknowledge that. That's another reason it's important to be thankful. Being thankful acknowledges the goodness of God. Friends, what does it say if we're not thankful? If we would not be thankful or grateful for this, what does that say? In light of all God's goodness, in light of the fact that his steadfast love endures forever, we have all received it. And then if we're not grateful or thankful to God for that, isn't that a refusal to acknowledge the goodness of God toward us? And if we refuse to acknowledge God's goodness to us, that will lead us down a path that is actually destructive. We'll get into that in the next point. But what I want us to see here is that it's important to have a thankful spirit because giving thanks acknowledges the goodness of God. When we are thankful to God for his goodness, we acknowledge that he has been indeed good to us. And we're grateful for that. Thirdly and finally, giving thanks keeps us humble. Giving thanks keeps us humble. Romans chapter 1. I'd like you to turn there, please. Romans chapter 1. Verses 18 to 32 of Romans chapter 1. I've brought you to this passage several times over the years on our Thanksgiving Sunday. So some of you know where I'm going with this. But this is important. We need to come back to this again and again. In this passage, Paul is expounding on the wickedness and the sinfulness of this world. And how, because of that, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. This passage is quite detailed, as you read it, in describing the sins of ungodliness and wickedness. From refusing to acknowledge God as God to worshiping idols, to following after every kind of lusting and going into all kinds of sexually perverted activities, to greed, to murder, and envy, and deceit, and malice, and gossip, and slander, and on and on and on. Quite detailed, this passage, in describing these things. The wrath of God is revealed, Paul says, because of all this wickedness. The wrath of God is revealed, Paul says, because they knew better. People doing this stuff, they knew better. Verses nineteen and twenty, they knew God was God. But verse twenty-one, they refused to acknowledge God as God. In fact, let's read verse twenty one. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They knew God, but they refused to honor or even acknowledge God as God. And they did not give thanks. You see that? See that phrase in there? They did not give thanks. They refused to be thankful for God's grace that they had received or for God's goodness. They weren't grateful. They were not thankful. And that was the beginning of the downhill slide into all the sin and debauchery that follows listed in this chapter. They didn't give thanks. They didn't acknowledge God as God. They didn't acknowledge that they had received grace from God. They didn't acknowledge that God had been very good to them. They didn't give thanks. And most likely, the reason they didn't give thanks is, well, it would be pride. (laughs) Proud people usually are not very thankful people. (laughs) I don't like being under the authority of anyone else. I like to be my own boss. That's pride, it's the opposite of humility. So I'm not going to give thanks, I'm not going to acknowledge any God. So I'd like you to do some thinking here. What happens if in your pride you refuse to acknowledge God and honor him as God? What happens then? What happens in your mind when you do that? If God isn't God, then who is? If there is no God, then what becomes your authority? What becomes your standard by which you live? It can only come down to one thing. One person, actually. If there is no God, then I become my own God, right? I am my own absolute authority in that case. Because there is no other. And that begins the downhill slide. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was dark. That begins to slide into all the sin and debauchery mentioned in the rest of this passage. In their pride, they refuse to honor God as God or give thanks. You see, friends, giving thanks will stop all of that. Truly being grateful and thankful to God for his grace and goodness keeps us humble. And it keeps us face to face with the fact that God is God and needs to be worshipped exclusively as God. It keeps us face to face with the fact that God has given us grace upon grace which we don't deserve. And it keeps us face to face with how good God has been to us. And that keeps us humble in our realization that God alone is God. And we are not. And then we can be kept on the right track. One last verse I'd like you to look at. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, and verse 18. We were in 1 Thessalonians a few months back. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Let's read it. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for your life is, friend? (laughs) You want to know what God's will for your life is? (laughs) Here it is. Straight out, Apostle Paul gives the answer. Right out. What is God's will for your life? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. That's God's will for your life. And mine. So therefore we see from the scripture this morning the reasons we need to have a thankful spirit. They are, number one, giving thanks acknowledges the reception of grace. Number two, giving thanks acknowledges the goodness of God. And number three, giving thanks keeps us humble. That's why a thankful spirit is vital. That's why we need to constantly make the choice to be thankful and grateful people. Like I said at the beginning, that's not our default setting. Because of our sin nature, we default to complaining and focusing on the negative and the annoying and the frustrating and all that. So that's why we always need to make the choice, make the choice to be thankful. And I trust that today's Thanksgiving service is going to help us do that. So we're going to move to our time of silence except there won't be quite a time of silence, change it up a little bit today. While you have your time of silence, and just open your hearts to what God is saying to you this morning from, this, from this, his, his word, these passages we looked at. While you're doing that, i got a song I'd like to sing for you.
3: They say, I have nothing, but they are. sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. money, but Lord, I have you, and that's all that matters, though the good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and the fine
0: and sing together. flow